An interesting week of EuroLeague. Not many surprises, but still great results and a lot to talk about. It's all ahead of us on EuroLeague Sweet 16. Tune in. Great pass from Diamantidis. The lob is done! We go, 40 minutes to a title. David Blue for three. On the mark, David Blue! Now Spinellas drives inside. Look for the alley EuroLeague Sweet 16, exactly what you need. As ever, we are up on SoundCloud and we are, of course, uh, on wherever you get good podcasts. So be sure to search for EuroLeague Sweet 16 to subscribe and get the episodes as soon as they drop. Hello and welcome to EuroLeague Sweet 16. As always, I'm Oshin. I'm accompanied by my great friends, Aris, and who's also a longtime co-host. Aris, I mean, we're not going to talk yet about the fact that Emmett is looking to uh, pursue another career as a DJ, perhaps, you know, bringing down the roof as he likes it loud. We're definitely not going to discuss the Highlander, which is, you know, Connor. That's his first name. We're going to maybe discuss it in a couple more shows. But still, how's life in Athens? Uh, life is great in Athens, and especially after watching Emmett's uh, uh, latest IG posts. I think that we have our talent there. And uh, since it's a great opportunity to talk on a Sunday morning about basketball, it's also a great opportunity for me to apologize publicly about the fact that I, I delayed the recording, something that has happened time and time again. But, uh, we, you know, with this kind of relaxed schedule decision, we have to be a little bo- bit more accurate on, on the time that we are recording. Well, if you're apologizing for that, I really have to apologize for forgetting to actually press the record button. Uh, <laughs> a lot to apologize about this, this during this time. And, and, and we have the real victim of all those apologies to introduce right now. Uh, Moshe, please do the honors. Yeah, Dave, uh, we're both sorry. Uh, no for- problem, my man. No problem, Maris. It's it's all part of the life, man. Thanks for thanks for having me back on. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Two weeks in a row, uh, but it's uh, but it's fun uh, to uh, talk about uh, this week of of hoops and uh, and uh, yeah, let's let's get on with it and let's uh, entertain the the listeners. So now that we're done with apologies, uh, I'd say that it's time because we've got a lot to cover. It is time for the most inaccurately named segment in all sports entertainment today. It is time for the four minute warning. Four minutes to get through all the action that just happened in Euroleague. It's the four minute warning. So it, it's it's been a thing of ours to if we're honest about it, like he taught us about the importance of the home rule. And even though it didn't quite start off like that in the early this year, Ari's safe to say that we, we might be getting there. I mean, you know, we're looking at the results that we had in the early this week. And you know what? Not that many away wins, not that many away wins at all. When you think about it, like we had uh, only Anatolu Efes and uh, you know, okay. So three away wins. Not that, not that bad. Yes, not that bad. And you know that I bet heavily on home courts, but I think that uh, uh, this is evident uh, that it should happen first and foremost because the fans are back in the gyms. And you can say that the fans were a factor in uh, Zenit's home win against Olympiakos. You can say that uh, Monaco also got energy in order to get a blowout win against uh, Bayern Munich. The same can be said about Real Madrid, even if Aistis Algiris uh, didn't let uh, the Whites have a goal in the park. And of course, you can say that for Zvezda, 
against uh, as well. And for Cheseka Moscow against Maccabi, a game that was decided on the last shot. Yeah, and we're going to discuss that and not obviously a uh, uh, final play, which may or may have not all well, actually were like maybe two, three fouls, but I'm guessing... Yes, you, you, know, you know that falls also under the home court category. And we will get to that, but I think it's better off to start with a game that didn't quite surprise us in terms of who won it, but rather than what on earth is happening to Fenner, like I'm, I'm legit not... I cannot realize what is it because the talent is there. We were seeing, you know, they had some games where he said, oh, they're okay. And then they go and pull off what they did, you know, in the, in, in the late round. 43 points, you know, you can say it happens. Three points in the first quarter. Again, what in the damn hell are, what are we making of them? Like, what is it that we can say about this team that you can say, okay, you know what, Fanner fans, you can be, uh, you can rest your mind at ease. This is a good team. They'll make the playoffs. Or can you say? You know that the the jury is not out yet on Fenerbahce. And uh, around this time last year, there were cries of Falco Koskov in Istanbul. And uh, after that, uh, Fenerbahce made an admiral run and uh, make it with ease to the playoffs. When practically their greatest opponent proved to be COVID. So I think that it's just too early. Uh, to say anything other than it's very strange and very peculiar that a team with such a talent that was coming after a win against Jessica Moscow to not be able to score more than 43 points. Uh, that's uh, that's mind-boggling. Of course, Milan played a perfect game in defense, but uh, still we all know very well that in basketball you can do what you can in defense and uh, offense, good offense will always have the advantage. And uh, Fenerbahce has the talent to provide, to produce good offense. So uh, I'm not really sure w- what's happening uh, there. Uh, I, what I'm sure of is that uh, Fenerbahce still has all the weapons that they need. And even the talk about adding a player to maybe too premature, even with this roster, they should perform better and uh, be more consistent. Because uh, consistency might be the right word about what Fenerbahce is looking uh, for right now. If you know, Aris brought up the thing with uh, Coach Kokoskov, who, uh, you know, with everything that happened last year, he ended up being a part, you know, he had a role in assembling this roster. And still, you know, the guy who's coaching it is Coach Sasha Georgievich. Do you think that, you know, when you're taking this into consideration, this might actually be the problem. This might be the case of a coach inheriting a roster that was not uh, essentially assembled according to his basketball vision. I don't know if you can make a full argument on it. I mean, you can kind of mention it in in an argument as if you have other supporting co-arguments. I don't know exactly what you would say. Um, If they scored seven points in among three games, uh, or I guess, I guess maybe they need eight points in, in, in three games, then instead of being three and six, they are um, six and three with one blowout loss. Um, you know, after losing the three games combined by five by five points um, at Real Madrid against Barcelona at the buzzer and then Olympiacos, uh, I believe also, if not directly at the buzzer, almost at the buzzer. So um, the, the concern is anytime that you have a team that anytime you have a game that is a blowout like this, you you kind of wonder is it um, 
you know, is it, is it, the, is it the players giving up on the, on the, on the coach? I don't think that's the case. I, I have no, uh, no internal knowledge, of course, but I, I can't imagine that's the case. Um, I mean, Georgievich has always kind of been sort of a player's coach. I mean, it seems to me. So I would almost rather just say this is just chalk it up as a really bad game by Fenner, um, but more a statement win by Milan, um, who says, you know, we have to win against good teams on the road and show that we are a dominant team. I'd almost rather say that than to you know say this is the downfall of Fenerbahce. That's where I'd rather go. I, honestly, I get it uh, in terms of like, you know, not willing to, uh, I'm, I'm not feeling comfortable either saying, you know, that this is the downfall, but I think perhaps we're getting, we're getting close to it. Now, I want to say something though, because really shot through the heart and you're, you're to blame because you give love a bad name. Bayern Munich, what was that like i expected a bit more uh, i say competitiveness from from you guys and also i think that is the first time ever we get to hear a euroleague champ a former euroleague champ an amazing person really one of the best guys out there talking about the referees i'm talking about ophelo hunter like first of all, were you surprised at all from the way that this game developed? Uh, to to be totally honest, I, I didn't watch the game, uh, and still I was surprised by the final score. Not because Monaco doesn't have the talent to pull off such a blowout win, but because Bayern is a very solid team, and uh, I, I think that uh, because Othello Hunter is one of the most. Uh, serious men you will meet on a basketball court in Europe. I think that the problem is not uh, the calls per se. I think that uh, Othello was really irritated by the way that the game was called and by the way that uh, the head the crew of uh, the head of the refereeing crew was uh, conducting himself on the court. I don't think that he believed that the problem was uh, that Bayern uh, got uh, their own uh, share of bad calls. I think that the problem uh, for Othello was the way that the game was officiated in general. So I'm not, as I said, I'm not surprised from Monaco. And Monaco made some very interesting roster addition after the start of the season. And if you look right now at the roster, it's admirable. Uh, the only problem of Monaco is that they, they don't have so many French players in their roster that can really make a difference. Other than that, uh, uh, this is playoff material, no matter what. And on the other hand, Bayern is a bit riding the lightning from last year. And I'm not saying that they are not a good team, but they are not, even on paper and with all their guys healthy, a team that can really make an argument that they totally belong in the playoffs. It's not that Bayern is a bad team. It's the fact that the competition in the EuroLeague year and year out gets better. And when you have some teams like Maccabi and Olympiacos getting back to their old glory days, it's very, very, very hard to compete. You know, we are looking right now at uh, the standings and uh, it's not just that Ceska Moscow and Anadolu FS and Fenerbahce in Istanbul are out. It's the fact that 
strictly by looking the rosters, not just the results. You can see how three teams from the current top eight will uh, stay out of the playoffs. It's a cutthroat league. And uh, uh, at some point, I think that coach Messina said or proposed some kind of planes because right now, uh, out of the 18 teams of uh, the EuroLeague, just eight make it to the playoffs. And th- that's uh, a very, very hard uh, pill to solo for all the teams that are really good and should have been in the playoffs, but th- there is simply no room for them. It's, it's a very, very tough and harsh uh, game of musical chairs. Is it safe to say, though, that, you know, Bayern are good, but they're not as good as they were last year? That's a very, very long conversation, and it it doesn't have any real answer. Because on paper, you can say that Bayern is worse than last year. Do they play worse than last year? If you look at the result, you you will say yes. But it's pretty much the same team. You know, I, I really don't believe that this version of Bayern is worse than last year. Did they lose some of the key members of the teams and uh, that created a lot of issues in their chemistry? Maybe. But David is much more well uh, equipped to answer that because he watches the team also regularly in their domestic league. And also, David, you are high on Monaco, so you know, give us your intake about them as well. This is a different Bayern team. You also have a couple of guys that are new to the EuroLeague uh, and you also have you it's it's a it's a it's a little bit more athletic than last year's team and which allows Trinkieri to do a couple of different things and I think that he's still trying to figure out everything I think last year um, they kind of rode the the wave of that good strong start that they had and and that kind of had the momentum um, and you know I mean they did they did have a three game winning streak, you know, and they, they, you know, they're the only team that's beaten Milan so far. And then they won the, they, you know, they, they, they really handily beat uh, Alba at home, which is always a huge game. And, and they're playing well in the, in the Bundesliga. So it's, it's not a bad team. I think right now for the EuroLeague, it's a little too high of a level to be able to figure yourself out. And I think that's still also because of injuries that the guys coming, finally coming back in guys going out and stuff like that. This, so this team will be much better later on the season. Okay. You could probably say that for every team, but this is, you know, one team that, you know, when Trinkeri really figures out what some of the guys can do and, and how he can play with them, if you will, I think it'll give them different, a different, uh, uh, dynamic. One thing that, that they do seem to lack is a guy like Baldwin, who is like this killer that will go and score points when you need something. I don't know how many, you know, point scores there are. It, it, they're still, they're still growing. And, and I think that that's one thing. Um, at the other hand, this, this was, this was a, this was a Monaco win more than a Bayern loss. For sure, and uh, I think it says more that that Monaco were able to blow the doors open in the first half with offensively. Bayern were able to kind of just keep along, keep keep up with them. Um, but then that they kept up on the defensive pressure in the second half, um, really stepped it up in the second half. I think is what you what you really have to like if you're 
Monaco, and they have a big week coming up this week. They're they're at Maccabi and then at Ephes. So, um, and and you have to look at at some of the you know, the fact that that they got Hunter and and Rubit in foul trouble immediately, and you know that just took those two guys out of the game, and they had nothing else. Bayern had nothing else to 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 counter. I mean, you didn't even need Motiunas to really be a factor. You know, I mean. They just did a great job getting those guys in foul trouble and then everybody else, um, you know, and, and one last point. I mean, you, this, this Monaco team is James has found it that he doesn't need to be carrying the offensive load the whole game. He, he picks and chooses his time when he needs to, um, you know, you really have to give a guy that I've loved is, is Danilo Anderson. Anderson. I mean, he's been fantastic. Paris Lee has been, has been such a step up. You know, this is more the Paris Lee from the Antwerp uh, that we saw, you know, take to the, to the champions league final four, you know, and he comes off the bench and, and just gives so much pressure. Um, and last week he scored the points this week, just, you know, uh, you know, did the, uh, did the dirty work off, you know, defense and then, uh, uh, sort of the, 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 the playmaking. So, um, really a standout performance by by um by monaco we knew that barcelona are going to win we knew that probably anadolu will get the win perhaps not 27 point differential but still also madrid i think like honestly the game that that for me it uh kind of delivered uh was zenit olympiacos and to me i want to say this it felt like these uh, you remember those old school games where you were traveling like by four, but it wasn't really traveling by four points. It felt like a hell of a lot more because no matter what you did, even if you got into within a striking distance, you know, it was like a one a one possession game, then still, you know, it, it was like miles and miles away. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I You are right on the point. And I think that uh, that game illustrated two things. First of all, that Zenit is a much better team than last year, even without Pangos and with Sabaz Napier returning. I don't know what their ceiling could be. And also that Olympiacos did really well by already adding uh, Quincy AC on the roster. And uh, there, is a, there is even talk about one more addition because in uh, Piraeus, they really believe that this year they have a chance and uh, they want to make the most of it. Even though I think they're still a bit naive. Yes, okay. They are a new team. Yeah. Okay, Dave, I really got to ask you two questions here, like based on what Ari said, and obviously I completely agree. Always finds a way to like to hit the nail on the head. First of all, you know, what do you think that the uh, addition of Quincy AC would, would do to Olympiacos, to, to, to such a squad, especially when we saw him back in with Maccabi? And also another addition, what it could potentially do, uh, are just one quick thing. What position is it? Do you, do you see them adding a player? There is even talk about one more big guy that will uh, that will mean uh, a replacement for Hassan Martin, who is not yet at the level that uh, Olympiacos expected him to be due to his uh, injuries. And uh, there is also talk about uh, maybe adding a guy who can really shoot the three in order to add a little bit more firepower in the backcourt. So the jury is not out yet. I, I add actually a scorer rather than another shooter because they have a shooter with Dorsey. But Dave, you know, you look at that and also you look at Zenit, a team that at the beginning of the year, I was one of their uh, aided supporters saying that they are potentially a Final Four team. Uh, then I was kind of worried when they lost Shabazz Napier, but you see them play the way they, they do right now. Um, and... 
do keep in mind that they will be getting back eventually, Chabez and Pierre. So where, where do you see their ceiling to begin with? Ceiling? I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't really see why they shouldn't be a serious Final Four contender. And if you're in the Final Four, you have a chance to win the title. I think that they have a serious chance to, to uh, have home court advantage in the playoffs. That's not, a, that's not a given, but I think there's a serious chance for them to, to get there. Um, I mean, you look at all, as long as they can, as long as they can win some, some road games and, and when you have Napier back, you know, that's a guy that you're, you, you always need to have those guys that come up with the, the, the scoring when it's needed and, uh, you know, to kind of take over the offensive charge and, and, you know, that's a guy that, that can do it. So, uh, you put it all together, you put the fact that they play defense and, I mean, there's no reason why, you know, this was a team that um, this was a team that uh, is cruising. And when you get a guy coming in uh, back in with Napier, I mean, there's no reason why that just adds more firepower. And so there's, you know, unless they get a bad matchup, but who's a bad, who's, who necessarily is a bad matchup for this team. So uh ceiling is 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 final four and once you're in the final four like i just said i mean you you, you have a, a it's uh one in four chance of winning the title so that's where i would say their ceiling is and in terms of of olympiacos okay i mean hasan martin obviously you know isn't, isn't there yet um whether or not he can be there you know I, I like him in general as a player i don't know that uh for whatever reason he hasn't been able to fit in their system and you know and it's it's a team that has plenty of weapons. If you add more, you know, AC is obviously a guy that can do a lot of different things and and uh, has the experience at at a high level. Um, and so, I mean, this is a team that, rightfully so, people like. Um, and you know, uh, Ara said, you know, this is a, they 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 feel like they want to they have a chance for uh, for it this year. So. You know, hats off to, to them to, to, to go, let's call it all in, or, I mean, at least, you know, at least uh, going and getting some more chips to, to, to put, put in there. Um, so I, I, it just adds more firepower. And anytime you add more firepower, and if you add a big, you're, you're adding another piece. There's some big teams out there and, you know, that might be a place where, okay, fall is the biggest out there, but you know, they don't have loads of other guys out there. Uh, uh, and some, you know, anytime you can add depth at the big position, it's, it's an advantage. All right. Because we're talking about firepower, there was one game that, uh, well, let's just put it the way it was, didn't have a lot of firepower, especially from deep. And I'm talking the Maccabi game where, uh, where they went to uh, Moscow, they faced Cheska. They had uh, Scotty not at full capacity. Obviously, Scotty was not 100%. Um, you know, we see this game, and a lot of ways, it was somewhat of a miss by Maccabi, would you say? Yes, but on the other hand, I think that uh, ultimately both teams will be happy because Jessica finally broke out of their slump and got a win. And on the other hand, Maccabi lost just by one point, and uh, they are currently on a tie on the fourth position. That practically means that they still have the home game in Tel Aviv mm-hmm. and uh, the chance to get uh, the tiebreaker against Jessica, which might come handy in the end. Should they want more? Yes. Yes. But ultimately, it came down to one possession and uh, on those kind of situations, you know that it's uh, a 50-50 chance to, to make it or break it. Uh, I think that uh, 
this game was once more uh, evidence that the, this year Maccabi is for real. And uh, I, I will still remember fondly how the season started in Tel Aviv with, with cries that it might be time for a coaching change and uh, uh, totally retooling of the roster. So uh, that's, that's uh, one more evidence that we should not overreact, even if we are right now on the first almost one third of the season gone. For the life of me, I did not understand those cries. But here's one more thing. I really want to give credit here to, uh, to Cheska's perimeter, perimeter defense. You know, looking at the game, Maccabi only attempted 13 shots from deep. And it wasn't because, you know, they, they didn't want to, to shoot the ball more. And out of those 13 attempted threes, eight attempts were made by the power forward position. Eight were made by Angelo Calayaro and Derek Williams. I'll let that sink in. I mean, what, what do you guys make of it? Good defense. I mean, you know, game plan worked out that, that you know, that that's what they wanted to take away the perimeter perimeter game. And and it obviously worked in their favor. And, and you know, whether or not that was 100% the game plan, I mean, it, it was definitely a byproduct of it. And I mean, like uh, Ara said, and it's totally true. I mean, uh, this is a... This is not a, a, a bad loss at all for Maccabi. You know, you you you're going against a, a desperate team. You know, uh, everything with the pressure and history of, of you know, if they had lost, it would have been the first time ever that they lost four games in a row during a season. And you know, you can't have that. Um, and and uh, you know, Maccabi uh, road game in you know against a big big team with history between the between the clubs. Um, so. It, this is a, this is a very good loss. You know, Will has said it afterwards, you know, I mean, you know, I don't, you know, there's plenty to take from it, you know, some small things here and there, but you know, I mean, the, the way to do that um, against, a, even if it's a team that, that is kind of reeling, let's call them uh, says Kai, it's still a team with loads of firepower. So good, a good loss, if you will, uh, by Maccabi. And plus it was a, a playoff level game. Yeah, you know, for sure. Playoffs, for you, sure, you, you should expect such a defense and such a game plan. And uh, uh, all things considered, both teams uh, ultimately uh, performed well. You know, you can't say that there is one team or something that they really didn't click. It came down to one possession, so it is what it is. You know, if I'm coaching to this, I'm even more than than happy because. Guys, mind you that still no Milutinov in this game, no Fortman on this game. And uh, even though, you know, we, we can always say that if they would have played, who knows, maybe this game would have went completely differently and Maccabi would actually win because you, you can't really, you know, say things in hiding side because even then, even if you would run that game again with different players being available, the game could have went completely differently. But if I'm coaching to this, I'm happy because still, you know, the, the backcourt still lacking firepower it's lacking some serious firepower and still Griganis and Lundberg and to some extent Shved you know because he was okay in some minutes they managed to to lead the Cheska offense which which finally meant that this team even shorthanded they can still inflict damage they still have the quality and this is something good for Kochi Tudis you know to see that yeah I can trust this guy and that guy um, obviously, we're going to be shorthanded like for five, six, ten more rounds. We're going to probably talk differently. But for the time being, it works. They got the win. You know, they stopped that that losing streak. Uh, and 
you know what this is uh you know it's like i said i i think yeah for sure maybe maccabi could be a bit disappointed because essentially they, they could have won that game but it is what it is what i didn't get is we expect we knew that it's best that had a good defense it, it was since it, it's something we've seen since you know day one and you know, finally they come to a game and Nate Walters only, you know, in terms of points, he only has four, but he adds four assists. Essentially it was Nikola Kalinic going all EuroLeague, former EuroLeague champ on, on Asphalt's ass, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, and also Nikola Ivanovic coming back. But, you know, you just, you, you look at, at Asvel and, you know, Dave, you, you, you've, you were the first notice to that thing. But Elio Kobo and Chris Jones are no longer members of Club 37. That's been, uh, and it's been this way for quite a few games. They put 30 together, but you no, know, should have they expected for, uh, you know, better contribution from their assistant group? Club 37 has been shut down. Yeah. Well, come on, you didn't really expect it. Well, you know, last. Of course week. not. That was, that was a unbelievable. What was that? Five, four times in five games where they combined for 37 points? I mean, it's oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is something that, that, that it worked out. Uh, this is one of the things I kind of like been wondering about Swesley, you know, they play tough defense, but are they going to have enough offense? And they just had barely enough offense, um, you know, and it, it's going to be those three guys. Okay. Walters didn't do it this time, but you know, Kalinich, uh, you know, those two are the main guys. And then, uh, you know, Ivanovich, you know, that he can do that. I mean, is he going to score, you know, at that level every game? Probably not, but you know, is Walters going to score four points every game? No. So, you know, that'll balance out, but there's, I still worry that there's not much offense coming otherwise from those two, three. Um, and as far as as well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you just have to, so five assists from the, from those two guys in, in 50 minutes, could they have tried to, to get others involved? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, but it, you, you also have to chalk up uh, to pretty high level defense, um, you know, short rotation you know i'm not sure exactly what's what went on there um so i think this is but this was like a game that you you had to kind of look at and say okay you know this is as well team that can score um but against a team that as uh in svesda that that doesn't allow people to score and i think aris mentioned at the beginning you know home court and especially fans like that um you know it's it's a team that uh it's an atmosphere that that not everybody is used to playing. So, you know, that's a big, big factor as well. And also for as well, speaking about firepower, uh, we have yet to see Dylan Osetkovsky uh, getting to his real groove and producing the Euro mm-hmm. game. I don't mm-hmm. know if the problem is the level of the competition or if the player is just trying to find out what works for him and what's not working. But, uh, uh, Osetkovsky had a hell of a year uh, last season and uh, it's obvious that Asvel expects a lot from him and uh, uh, he's the guy who will save the front line of Asvel in terms of scoring so uh, I think that uh, he needs to step up Asvel needs him to step up I think that's fair enough but you know if I would have told you guys that nine games into the season Zvezda would be two games essentially away from from the seventh, six, six, five, the, 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 the five seed or the fourth 
overall seed. Would you call me crazy? Uh, no, not at all. I, I think that th- this uh, a pretty expected uh, version of Sveda and a pretty expected uh, record from them so far. There's still a game under 500. So, I mean, it's not like we're, we're saying that they're, you know, on a house, you know, they're, you know, on fire or anything like that, you know? So, I mean, yeah, this is pretty much where, I mean, I, I, I'd agree with Aris. I mean, you yeah, know, you're seeing the spe- one- especially, the, especially we're still this early. So the result, the, the, the standings are still, you know, still so packed to, you know, tightly together. So. I mean, you're saying one game from, you know, away from 500, but still it's like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh seed. It, it's like, man, it's, it's, it's getting tight. It's getting tighter and tighter. It's like, there's no way around it. But, you know, Aris, I know that it's, we're probably about to touch a very painful subject for the Panathinaikos fans. It, it was like somewhat heartbreaking, I'm guessing, for them, especially when you see that their offense is still not clicking. I mean... Yes, you know, and the problem is that even if they won this game, which they didn't, uh, the, the problem for Panathinaikos is that they have to probably retool a lot of things in order to be really competitive. And... Mm-hmm. Just look at their schedule before the end of the first round. They have to play at Zalgiris, which is still winless. That will happen in just uh, two days. And then they have to play on the road in Munich. They host Zenit. They go to Moscow to face Czeska. Then they travel to Berlin. No, they host Berlin, sorry. Then they travel to Milan. Then they host Barcelona and then Olympiakos. It's yeah. a nightmare. If they miss the chance to beat Zalgiris, they might end up uh, uh, having uh, three or four wins at the end of the first round. But uh, with Yogi uh, Ferrell uh, still not a part of the team and uh, with Nemanja Nedovic facing uh, injury woes, which is something that uh, nobody can say that's unexpected, you can't really say that Panathinaikos is having uh, a trajectory so far in the season that it's not fair or it's not something that uh, uh, should have been the end result of... uh, this kind of roster and this kind of uh, uh, firepower. You know, do you remember when we talked about teams that you should, you know, no matter what you do, if you're a team that that is aiming for a playoffs, you cannot lose to those teams? Yes, t- totally. And also Panathinaikos, and even the fans were expecting that. You know, Panathinaikos didn't expect miracles with this kind uh, of uh, roster. But on the other hand, uh, Uh, you can make a case that even this roster should play better. Uh, Ocaro White should perform better. Uh, Jeremy Evans uh, now has a chance and should be better. Uh, Kendrick Perry should be more prepared for the kind of competition that he will face in the Euroleague. Still, you can blame them. You know what I'm saying? It's not like they are not putting the effort or they are not trying to do something uh, that's, uh, let's say, unreachable for them. Uh, they do the best they can. And if the sort of uh, Ioannis Papapetru uh, was made in the last play of the game, maybe we, sh- we will have a totally different 
conversation. But uh, Panathinaikos was expecting that to, to fight for their life in any given night. And yeah. uh, the, 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 simply the competition is better. And uh, at this point, with a budget that is really low, I don't know what they can do to really turn things around. You know, to me, the reason I brought this up was because they had two wins so far. Both of them were against the Turkish teams. Now, three, three weeks ago, they won by 26 at home against FS. Yeah, I know. This yes, was yes, yes, but, <laughs> yes, but you know what? This turns to be uh, FS issue much more than Panathinaikos. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, of course, yeah. Totally. <laughs> So here's the thing. The reason I'm bringing this up is if Finner would end up missing the playoffs on one game, mm-hmm. if Anadolu Efes would be, you know, would end up missing the playoffs on, on this one game. If you remember last year, uh, Hinky had four wins. Now, I'm not saying that Panathinaikos is Hinky. Don't get me wrong. But I think their most influential win perhaps would have been the one against Senna because this was the only team that made the playoffs and the other three teams were not even – They weren't really close, I'd say, to the to the playoffs when you think about it, because you know they they managed to get a win over Zvezda, they managed to get a win over uh, Zenit. With by the way, if Zenit would have won that game, they would have ended up the season having 21 and 13. 21 wins would have put them as their number six seed, which would have meant we would have gotten a series between Zenit and Anadolu Efes. Just putting it out there. So my point to you guys, don't lose to those teams. Now, uh, yeah, that, that was perhaps an unnecessary uh, detour, but still always fun to discuss basketball. Um, and here's the thing, guys, without noticing, it is yet another double rounder, third one of the season. Time flies by, doesn't it? Um, no rest for the weary. Yeah, you're right. No rest for the weary. I agree. Uh, so... Because it's a double rounder, obviously it begins Tuesday and ends on Friday, which means no time to sleep, all fun and games. Bring it. So the uh, 10th round will tip off with Chagari Spanathinaikos. Then we have Asfel Villarban versus Madrid, Byron Fenner, Basconius Vesda, Zenit Alba Berlin, Unix Kazan versus Milan, Anadolu Efes, Olympiakos, Maccabi Monaco. Uh, of course, Barcelona versus Chaska will be the final game of that round. So uh, I'm going to ask you, first of all, for the first round, uh, the 10th round, for your two games to watch and your nine picks, please, let's start off with Aris. Okay, I think that the game to watch should be Bayern versus Fenerbahce on Tuesday and on Wednesday... I'm going with another LFS versus uh, Olympiakos. I think that uh, Zalgiris will beat Panathinaikos. Real Madrid will get the road win in uh, Lyon. I think that Zvezda will also get the road win in Vitoria. Fenerbahce will beat Bayern. Zenit will prevail against Alba. Milan will beat Unix Kazan. I think that FS will beat Olympiakos. Uh, Maccabi will beat Monaco. And uh, Barcelona will beat Jessica. Dave, let's move on to you, buddy. Two games to watch and nine picks, please. Uh, bum, bum. Let's, uh, it's not spectacular. 
um, you know, you can say, you know, you don't want to, you know, gape at a car crash, but, you know, let's watch Shalgiris Panathinaikos, see which one of the green teams win, uh, see if Shalgiris can finally get um, a victory on Tuesday. And Wednesday, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm actually going to say Maccabi Monaco, because I think Monaco, this is a very, very important week for Monaco. Um, I know I talk way too much Monica on this, uh, on this show, but uh, um, if they're going to be a, a contender and not a pretender, they need a couple of road wins. And, uh, you know, if they can steal a game in uh, at Maccabi, that would be a big one. Uh, my nine picks, I'm going to go with Sargeras winning. I'm going to go with, Maca- uh, with, um, with Real Madrid. I am going to go with Svezda. Uh, Bayern or Fenerbahce. Uh, I guess I'll go with Fenerbahce as well. Um, Unis and Kazan and Milan. I'll go Milan. I'll go Zenit. I will say, um, I'm gonna say FS. Uh, probably go Maccabi and I'll go Barcelona. And you? Well, you know. I'm a rather uh, complicated guy in terms of prediction. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's supposed to be actually uh, easy to me. Um, I will watch the Maccabi um, Monaco game. And, you know, the games on the card would have suggested that, you know, we, we should pick both games out of, you know, uh, Wednesday. Uh, but, you know what, I'll go with Byron Fenner on the Tuesday card. And my picks will be Jalgeris, Real Madrid, Bayern. Yeah, I actually see Bayern getting the win at home. Um, Zvezda, even though I'm not feeling 100% comfortable, I'll take Zvezda. Zenit, Milan. I'm going heavy home, actually. Olympiacos, Maccabi, and Barcelona. And that's, you know, these are my nine picks for uh, the 10th round. Now let's talk round number 11. We're go- it's it's going to feature Bayern, Panathinaikos, Real Madrid, Zvezda, Unix, Alba Berlin, Anadolu FS, Monaco, Zenit, Milan. Wow. Like this screams out the game of the week. Jalgeris, Fenner, Olympiakos, Maccabi, Basconia, Ceska, and Villarban versus Barcelona. All right, so I'm going to start again with you, buddy. Give me your two games to watch and your nine picks, please. This is a very unbalanced schedule because we have just two games in... Uh... Thursday and all the rest are Friday games, so I, I really don't want. <laughs> I don't know what to pick on Friday, but on Thursday I will pick. I will pick Real Madrid versus Vesda, and uh, as for Friday, I, it's it's very hard to tell. But yes, Zenit versus Milan is the most interesting game of the bunch. I totally agree with you. As for the picks, I think that Bayern will beat Panathinaikos. Real will ultimately beat Zvezda. I think that Tunix will beat Alba. So far, we have all home wins, and I will stay with the part, pa, pattern. FS will beat Monaco. I dare to say that Zenit will also beat Milan. Mm. Fenerbahce will prevail against Zalgiris. Olympiakos Maccabi is very, very, very tricky. But I will stay with the home team's rule and pick Olympiakos. Ceseca will prevail against Pasconia and Barcelona will beat as well. Okay, should I say Dave or should you? You're the you're the you're the man. 
you know, to me, the, the most uh, complicated thing before I, I uh, uh, give it, you know, I give you the honors of picking your uh, games to watch and your nine picks. The, the Monaco and Maccabi are kind of in a similar boat, and I'll explain. Like we're we're expecting Maccabi to win the first game, uh, but you know, the winner of the, of of this specific game, right? is going to face a very difficult opponent in the second round. So this is a must win for each, each one of the sides, I think. Uh, so, you know, having said that, Dave, your nine, your two games to watch, obviously, in your nine picks, please. Uh, uh, Tuesday, uh, I've already watched uh, too bad of a, of a Panathinaikos team. I don't want to have to watch them again. So I'll go with uh, Real Madrid and Svezda, and I will find out if – if the Belgrade team can svezda it down the score um, using the verb svezda, yes, I did that. Um, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'd, I'd like to say uh, FS and Monaco, but I'm actually gonna go with uh, Olympiakos and Maccabi. I think that's going to be a really, really big game. Um, also, because of what happened with Maccabi uh, the day uh, you know that they had the big game against Monaco. Uh, I'm trying to think really quick off the top of my head who did. Uh, oh, yeah. And then the game before was for Olympiacos uh, uh, FS. So I'm going to say that's the bigger game. My nine picks Bayern, Real Madrid. And then I'm going to say Unis Kazan. Mm, oh, man. I. I I, I, that that Zenith game and uh, and Milan is going to be a really good one. Um, and, but I, I do I will say that um, I will say that Milan is going to take that one. I will I bet against FS last week really badly got beat by the, uh, by that one. Um, so I'm not going to do that again. And I'll say uh, FS. I'll say Fenerbahce will beat Shagiris. I will say that Barcelona knock off. Uh, as well that that game could be in the 90s um and then uh olympiacos and maccabi i will say i will say maccabi against my probably good uh, intentions whatever but then i'll say csk um get a pretty comfortable win which will be really good for them uh, and their psyche okay so dave that was you and uh you know which only means that I'm the only one left. So let's do this. Obviously, the games to watch, Real Madrid, Zvezda. Uh, why? Because, well, you know, I, I would love actually to watch Bayern, but it is what it is. Um, game Games-wise, I am watching the Maccabi Olympiacos game. But if you're not watching Zenit Milan, why? Go watch that. Also a great game. Though I think you can actually manage to, to watch both, maybe. Or, you know, good chunks of, of each game. So... My nine picks are, I'm going Byron, I'm going Madrid, I'm going Unix, Anadolu Efes. I will circle back to Zenit Milan. Uh, Fenner will get the win. I'm saying Olympiacos, Cheska, and Barcelona. Wow, the, the backcourt thing. Like, you know, Milan are much more backcourt prepared, and I think this might give them the edge. I really do. Uh, Ari, stop the bet. How many games did... Uh, uh, Xavi Pascual win against Messina? I really don't have the specifics. Okay. But, uh, I'm going with you. I'm going like, if I went uh, yes, on the... I, I really don't have the specifics, but you know, Zenit is kind of so far flying under the radar. And the game with Olympiacos was a sign of things to come. So I wouldn't be surprised if Zenit ultimately beats Milan because, you know, Milan will drop a game here and there. 
Yeah, so let's talk. Let, let's take Zenit then. So these were my picks. Obviously, I'm picking Fenner to win. So yeah, I haven't missed a game. Haven't missed a game. So that is uh, pretty much it for today. I think it's time to say our goodbyes. Uh, to uh, to uh, uh, yeah, as you noticed, probably um, Lewis's voice was rather different this episode. Um, it sounded a bit less on on the accent side, as you know, Dave. <laughs> Uh, was here uh yeah we kind of had we, we kind of had like off the air joke uh but you know it is it is what it is Lewis obviously will be back with us so we'll end it I think next week and um yeah it's time so uh Dave where can people find you and you know listen to you and get all the good stuff that you're uh you're doing easiest way would be uh, at high news h-e-i-n-n-e-w-s at high news on twitter uh also all of my good stuff is on taking the charge.substack.com uh doing podcasts and writing and, and everything else uh, that's my new platform where i'm uh putting all my good stuff out there thank, again thanks for uh, letting me come on here and uh talk uh, euro league a little more in depth as always Pleasure having you. Uh, Aris, hoping that you guys both will not really, you know, hold it against me that, you know, I kind of maybe perhaps forgotten to press the record button. It happens. Uh, but, you know, obviously, set of the great Year Hoops podcasts and great articles, where can they find you? Well, uh, don't be sorry, Emmett. We've all been there. You remember it quite right. It's a hard button to hit. <laughs> As usual, you can find me at uh, eurohoops.net, uh, the social media of Eurohoops at my own social, social media, and also you can uh, hear me at Cosmo TV commentating uh, games, which I, I have to do in... Uh, okay, it, it's a three-hour gap, so I'm okay. Yeah, and that was uh, Arison, David, and as ever, you can find Lewis at Hafkeleni, Emmett on his various, various... Uh, uh, social media platforms and also on the website itself, buyingeurope.com. He's also available at Bayern Europe. Emmet will be the first of us who will have a TikTok. I'm pretty sure about it. Probably, probably. I'm surprised that he has yet to, to open an account. I will not lie. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. And, and ours is right. Uh, as ever, let that sink in. That's how good he is. Yes. And as for myself, you can find me at I am Team Scout and at Moses B1 on Twitter, the Facebook page of Team Scout, the website itself of teamscout.net. And don't you forget, there is the show account. Yes, we have the show's account. It is at ELSWIT16 show. Make sure you follow, make sure you tune in, you know, retweet, do that, like, you know, repost on, uh, uh, yeah, because we're repost because we're also available on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, on of course, Anchor and Spotify. Yes, we're there. We've reached that point in time where we're we're one with technology, I think. Right? We're progressive. Yes, I totally agree with you. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's just this one thing left to say, and that is our four minutes are up. Till next time. Great pass from Diamantidis. The lob is There we go. 40 minutes to a title. Drives inside. Look for the Corey Higgins just exploding. Euroleague Sweet 16. Exactly what you need.